Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Woo! It's rodeo time and I'm rounding up the freaks and lassoing them in. <laughs> and I did a little... And you were making the motions and everything. <laughs> That's right. Brian can vouch for that. I can. I'm One day st- I think we're going to have to do video. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. We are. Yeah. But, but we're moving forward with uh, improvements to the show painfully slowly. Yes. It's like we usually don't have time to spend any time on the show outside of just the normal recording time and posting time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And of course, gather, you know, a little little cat herding for the stories. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. that's that really is about it. And it's meant to be a minimal effort show. So maybe someday we'll do video. We have definitely talked about it. But for now, you get to just imagine what we look like and to tell you the truth we probably look way sexier in your mind (laughs) (laughs) i do have a face for radio it's true (laughs) i like your face and i know you like my face though i will say if you want to help actually with the possibility of ever doing video yes wishlist.zog.ninja bravo there is equipment there that is much needed to do video for not just this show but all kinds of shows yes it's really the sovereign murphy podcast empire that we would be Videoizing the S and M Empire. Oh, Ooh. oh my! All right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Brian, while we've been trying not to let Trump ruin our lives yet, um, there has been an unexplained surge in men wanting to share their girlfriends. Did you know about this? What wanting we, to share their girlfriends <laughs> like with other women or other men? With other men. Ooh. <gasps> That's a big no-no. You that makes you a cuck, right? Uh, and according well, to right, the alt right, you don't want to be a cuck, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's an un- insult. <laughs> so what do, what do we got? We got a story from the Independent here, right? We yes, we did. It's from the Independent.co.uk, and you did know about this, Brian, because okay. you sent me this story. Well, but first off, I think this is important. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to say that when I saw this story in social media, it said unexplained surge in the number of men who want to share their girlfriends. Yes. Now, when you click on the story and the story is from the independent, you know, independent.co.uk, which is, you know, a bit of a, uh, what you'd say in the journalism biz, a rag, you know, uh, I would say it's kind of like Huffington post of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but when you click on it, what is the headline for, for the story? The headline is cuckolding fetish relationships, men wanting partners to sleep with other men reaches new high. So totally different from totally what comes different. up when you share it. <laughs> yeah. This is a very interesting and I think kind of insidious trick, but I don't want that to take away from what we're going to talk about. The story. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely a clickbait headline and they somehow, you know, d- altered it. So it was different than the, the regular headline, which yeah. I think is also attention grabbing. The subheader, by the way, is 
I told him, in quotes, I told him everything and it aroused him so much <laughs> by Rachel Hosey. So so could you define a cuckold for me? Yes. A cuckold, well, cuckolding is a, is a sexual practice where usually a married couple or a man and a woman who are in a relationship with each other, um, the woman fucks another man <laughs> and the husband or the boyfriend are, is, are, is turned on by that. Aha, is either okay. turned on by knowing or turned on by watching or thinking about it or so he's turned on by the idea of his wife fucking another guy. So usually the guy has a bigger dick or he's a stud mm, of some kind mm. and she's very into it or you know sometimes that people do play up the hot wife angle like oh my wife's so hot everybody wants to fuck yeah, her yeah, and, yeah. you know there's she's whole, my wife and there's a whole porn industry around it you know. Yeah. yeah. So that's basically that's cuckolding. Now a cuck is the man who wants his wife to fuck another guy. Wow. Okay. So I think that's where the insult comes from, because people use that now. It's 2016. We've seen the the so-called, the alt-right, you know, <laughs> gaining steam and building up uh, mostly on the internet, but I think in real life, too. And these people call, these are basically conservatives, social conservatives, who call people who disagree with them on the internet, who are liberal, cucks. As, an, as the, an insult. Yeah, saying, like, the idea is they're not man enough. They're not man enough, yes. They're so wimpy and effeminate that and beta males, and the, the conservative alt-right guys are the real men, right? Which, and these wuff, wussy liberals are such cucks that they want they want their <laughs> wife to fuck another man and they think that's just okay <laughs> which if i were to play a moment of conventionalism and uh, this is not how i think mm -hmm. i'm just playing a conventional part you know as in yay gender roles right um i've seen a lot of these alt-right cats and <laughs> they're not alpha, they're exactly alpha no males, they are they? not <laughs> like <laughs> yeah if i were to buy into this whole notion of cucks well, there they are, and they're all wearing shirts that say alt-right on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, they even have the small hands. It, it's it's very... Which uh, we did talk about yeah. on a previous show. <laughs> so, whatever. I mean, obviously, you know, they're, 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 they're uh, uh, attaching to an ideology to compensate for their own real lack of, uh, of any kind of conventional manhood. Again, now I'm done speaking conventionally, so there now, we go. Now, I think this is a stupid non-insult and i'll tell you why mm. because if you really unpack it and deconstruct it people use insults all the time that are painting the other person in a feminine light and what uh -huh. do i mean by that well if a guy thinks and doesn't like another guy he might call him a pussy right mm -hmm. what's more feminine than a pussy sure right <laughs> if a guy <laughs> if a guy doesn't like another guy he might say well you're a faggot or a homo he might say something like he's gay Right. Right. Yes. Um, and what's feminine? That's also feminine, right? Sure. You, you might say, well, you, you suck dick or you suck. What, that's also a feminine thing, right? So the feminine becomes the insult. Yeah. Feminine or gay. Yeah. Feminine or just, I guess, less masculine. It, they're emasculating kind of insults. Yeah. yeah. I just want to make it clear. I know homophobia plays a big part in a lot of those insults. Oh, yeah. Right. And misogyny is like the, as Dan Savage says, misogyny is like the the redneck little brother of of uh, homophobia. Yes, <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand. I agree. You know, I agree. And and it's true because you know, it, it, in the end, gay men usually are be are treated as as women. You know, mm -hmm. which is an inferior kind of position. So, sure. anyway, um, I think those insults fall apart if you just question the misogyny and homophobia behind them. Right, mm -hmm. like. 
what's wrong with sucking dick? Like one time I was on a podcast, Puke in the Gang, yeah. and they got a hate mail from some listener or some troll saying, oh, don't ever have Stephanie on again. She sucks dick. And you know what they said? <laughs> this was amazing. The hosts all came to my defense. This was like on the next show that when I wasn't there. They, they all came to my defense and they're like, well, I'm pretty sure Stephanie has a boyfriend, so she probably does suck dick and she's probably great at it. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And actually, I remember they said, I remember the guy that said it too. Uh, his name begins with a J. I'll say that much. Yes. And he said, it's like, actually, you should have Brian on because he'll probably tell you all about it. Yeah, he will. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you could turn it into a compliment, right? If you want to. Yeah. And just like, so just like there's not, nothing wrong with being gay or sucking dick or, or be, I don't know, pussy doesn't even have to be an insult, right? Vaginas spit out babies. They're tough. They're, I mean, <laughs> they're way more, they hold up to a lot more abuse and, and tough toughness than like a scrotum does sure so that's another dan savage ism he says you should call people scrotums if they're not tough because <laughs> a pussy is way tougher than a scrotum <laughs> right on <laughs> but but anyway um you know just like there's nothing wrong with um with sucking dick or being gay there's nothing wrong with being a cuck it it just simply means that you enjoy the sexual practice of when your wife fucks another guy and what's wrong with that well, I mean, how many guys watch porn where a woman's getting fucked by a dude? Right. I, I mean, Every I guy who calls someone a cuck does that. Yeah. <laughs> so look in the mirror, alt-right. <laughs> and like, I, you know, there's plenty of things to criticize about them, but, you know, their use of insult, it, I just think it's ignorant, you know? Sure. It's, it's just dumb, like, to appropriate it to, I won't say they're appropriating that word, but to, to sort of change the meaning of that word to mean some to mean basically a liberal who disagrees with you mm -hmm. is just dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, so anyway, cuckolding apparently is becoming more popular. So maybe this is a backlash against the use of cuck as an insult. Um <laughs> From this independent article here, a self-confessed cuckold has realized how he gives his wife, quote, points based on the se oh, sorry, has revealed how he gives his wife points based on the sexual acts she carries out with other men. One of the thousands of males who is turned on by one of society's most taboo subjects. <laughs> and by the way, one more thing about the whole alt-right thing using cuck as an insult. I saw somebody call a 12-year-old boy mm. a cuck as an insult because the boy... It, it was a kid who made a rap video about social justice. Okay, yeah. and so he was he was like, oh, this kid is an SJW. I'm going to call him a cuck. Well, first of all, the kid's probably a virgin. First of all... Pick, first of all, it's a pun kid. Punching down, right? Pick on someone your own fucking size, yeah, right? Yeah. And <laughs> second of all, it's a kid. Yeah. That's like so inappropriate. I just couldn't get over it. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, there's there's so much wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. So anyway, um, you know, <laughs> what can you say? But well, I, you know, I, I, just real quick, yeah. like I'm, I'm feeling like even before we even really get into the article, I'm sort of feeling like maybe the sense is here because because it sounded like just from the first par paragraph mm -hmm. that this guy's proud, you know, of of this whole yes. thing. And he supports. Yeah. It, oh, he's it, having the time it. of his life. He's enjoying it. Awesome. OK. <laughs> he loves uh, being a cuck. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when I was when I was younger. I was born in 81, but when I was younger, like the word nerd and geek, mm. bad mm -hmm. news. Like, I mean, you were, you know, and I, and admittedly, you know, I got beat up, uh, you know, yep. when I was really young, when yep. I got older, you know, that, that changed, but, um, 
you, you know, when I like in high school, it changed. But anyway, but that was the thing in high school. Suddenly, a lot of us, a lot of my friends and I, you know, we started saying, oh, yeah, no, we're nerds. You know, you it's kind of, it back. It, yeah, it's kind of revenge of the nerds, you know, kind of yeah. thing where, we're, you know, we're like geeks. Oh, yeah. No, that's what we are. Go ahead. What do you, what do you got? You know, and you know, I don't think the word cuck ever became mainstream enough so that it could be taken back. You know what I mean? Maybe that's like, true. There's people who want to take back slut. There's people who want to yep. take back. That's been going on for like 30 N-word. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots of terms that people want to take back that used to be derogatory, but they want to try mm. to make them positive. I don't know. I, I don't particularly like the word slut. So I wouldn't say I am like trying to be an activist to take the word back but cuck is just one of those that never even got out there in the first place well, by the way a woman who who's participating in cuck holding she's a cuck queen <laughs> okay yeah. well i'll just say this the war of words i don't think will yeah. ever ever end oh, no, no one will ever no. win and so <laughs> you know i there's times where maybe you want to you know you want to want to die on that battlefield at some point quote unquote uh but um it's it's more 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 often than not, a waste of time. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> right. Okay, so back to the article here. The fetish of cuckolding, where men allow other men to have sexual relationships with their wives, is on the rise. Now, that sentence right there, where men allow other men to have sexual relationships with their wives... As if the man owns his wife and as if the wife has no say in it, like she's has to agree to it too, you know, yeah, that, everybody has to be on the same page. Right. That's the thing that that sentence should agree where everybody agrees, like not where the man allows, like allows does sound very dominant. Yes. I agree. Yes, it does. The cause of the rise isn't clear, but psychologists have suggested everything from rep- repressed male bisexuality to men being proud of their wives' liberated sexuality. Online communities dedicated to the topic are booming, with Google searches for the fetish peaking this week. So just this week, cuckolding became very popular, (laughs) having more than doubled in the past 12 years. One man explained how he'd been married to his wife for two years before confessing that he fantasized about watching her with another man. Meanwhile, a married woman detailed how her husband even texted her messages of encouragement when she was trying to seduce a man they'd agreed on. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think just open relationships and polyamory in general and people being flexible on monogamy is on the rise, not necessarily just cuckolding. This is like one flavor of it, but it's it's bigger than just cuckolding, I think. Yeah, I think I agree. I I really think what's going on here is there's just this opening opening of sexuality in general. I think Uh, so, too. And that's just leading to all kinds of things. I mean, (sighs) Yeah, and I really can't get over that idea that this is somehow an insult or something. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll admit it. I fantasize about aliens and, you know, fucking, te- you know, fucking ten- tentacle shit and all this <laughs> other stuff going on. And look, I mean, I know a lot of that's never going to happen. Are you saying you want me to get done by a tentacle? Uh, I'm not saying I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm just saying that, like, am I not tentacle enough? You know, like, am yeah. I not alien enough? I mean, come on. Like, like, where no, does it that... doesn't it doesn't mean you're compensating for anything. I mean, who knows why we like half the shit we like? Right. Yeah. It's like you, you could overanalyze it. But at the end of the day, it's probably not going to change the fact that you like it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, I don't I'll admit I don't really fantasize about this. You know, right. <laughs> but like there's so what, you know, if, if people do like it's not it, there's absolutely right. nothing wrong with it at all. I don't think it makes you gay either. If you no. if you like want a dude with a big cock to fuck your wife, it sure. just, you know, it just means you like that particular thing. Now, if you wanted to fuck the guy, maybe that would make you a, a little bit bisexual or gay attracted to guys. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they're saying here in cuckolding. They just want to watch their wife fuck the other guy. Mm-hmm. And the big penis is involved somehow. So 
I don't know. It's not really my place to psychologize it. I don't think it makes you gay. Maybe some guys have some bisexuality who are into it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are. Um, (laughs) And I don't think it's like, I don't think it's worthy of being shamed as it is, you know? People hear this and they're like, oh, that's so weird. How could you let your wife fuck another guy? Well, they enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, well, where does MMF fit into this? Right, right. MMF threesomes, right? Yeah. Like, which, what if you want to participate in it? Yeah. Usually with cuckolding, the 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 husband is not involved. It's like he's either watching but not participating. Right. Or he hears about it later. Yeah. Um, well, you know, this this reminds me, I mean, this is something Dan Savage, I've heard him talk about as well. The idea of that, like, you know, be monogamish. Yeah. That's the concept. That's a, the where, another like, can of worms this opens up. Like, are humans really meant to be monogamous, right? Right. But, like, you know, be monogamous most of the time. But then, if there's, you know, something that comes up, kind of let it fly. And he would actually recommend mm-hmm. um, that you take advantage of the arousal that yes. your partner feels. Tell me more about that. Yeah. The, the, the arousal that your partner feels after engaging with, with some novelty, pretty much. You, you know, even yeah. though that, that's another. There's a phenomenon, and it's. It was first observed, I think, in other animals, um, like even mice and rats have it, where mm. if they see their partner, they their pair bonded partner or whatever, having sex with another um, animal of the opposite sex, uh-huh. they will produce more sperm. That man will, pr- the cuck will produce more sperm to try to outcompete the well, other guy's Well, now that's sperm. interesting. <laughs> That gets really interesting. It's like a real response. Yeah. And it happens in mice. It happens in monkeys. And it, I think it happens in humans, too. I mean, it's a pretty safe bet. I don't know exactly of the study, but I'm pretty sure it does. See, that gets into some pretty wild areas because, I mean, then, you know, you have a lot of, you know, theories as far as, you know, evolutionary Sometimes jealousy can kind of rekindle the spark in a relationship in, sure. a, in a weird way, you know, like I'm not really a fan of jealousy or a proponent, but, you know, sometimes when you see someone else looking at your partner with sort of new eyes or when they, you know, they're looking at them in a certain way and they really have a crush mm-hmm. and you, you start to say, oh, yeah, I remember when I used to look at my partner that way when I just found out and I thought they were so great. And um, hey, that reminds me, I really want to fuck them right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Absolutely. I mean. Or, you know, again, just the idea that, you know, after somebody gets all hot and bothered after being with someone else, like that doesn't just go away. Like they're going to want to satisfy those desires some more that they had from, you know, from getting some, some novelty. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can quote unquote, take advantage, you know, of that, I think. Um, So yeah, overall, they're just, yeah, again, what's the big deal? So what? But I think the main point is, is kind of what we said is that really it's not that this is going up. It's that everything, all these different relationship styles and and different types of sexuality are just skyrocketing which i'm so happy about people are actually doing things nowadays that they only fantasized about before and were too ashamed to tell anybody right which is you know i kind of i wonder about that 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 might speak to something larger did you have more you wanted to to, to get no i mean i i just did want to kind of mention that um you don't have to do like if this if you think this is something you would enjoy or if you have any sexual act that sounds that seems kind of crazy to you and out there and that you think you would enjoy but you're not really ready to do it in real life you can always feel it's easier to enjoy fantasizing about it now too because there's god knows there's all kinds of 
erotic audiobooks and erotic yeah. Kindle books that you can read on Amazon. And there's lots of porn on the internet. And there's always the ability to just talk about it or think about it. I mean, it's it's easier to enjoy things in your mind, too. And sometimes that's as far as you want to take it, you know? Like sure. th- there's certain certain things that I enjoy fantasizing about, but I don't think it would really work out in real life to the point where I'd want to do it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but it, the technology and the internet are enabling that now. And it's a wonderful thing, more fantasy. So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, you know, actually, I like what you're saying there. I mean, this is one thing that I think is so lost, and I talk about this all the time. Cybersex. Oh, it lost is, art. It really is. It's so great because, you know what? You could, like... you could Only be, our generation understands. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, like, you could play all the parts. I yeah, mean, you, you know, right. like, like you I mean, be you the alien. Go, right, but it's like, it's interactive fiction. It's a fantasy you could actually do, and someone else, you could still have that kind of that novelty and that uniqueness that comes from another person thinking this shit up. Oh, man. Cybersex, yeah, lost art. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Brian, ASL, I'm touching you with my tentacle right Ooh, now. Slash me <laughs> all over you. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to talk about CRISPR and how it could be used on you. That's a switch. Yeah, that is definitely a switch. Yeah. So, hey, we're in a break now and we're going to talk about something to promote, which would be... I, I got something. Yeah, good, tell me all what right. you want to promote. So this week, just this week, for my show, Sovereign Tech, I have a, a Patreon for Sovereign Tech. Yeah, where if yes, you, you become do. a patron, and all, you, it's pay what you want. It's got to be at least a buck. But if you want to do more, and a lot of people do, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were on, and we did a and a We did an awesome uh, Q&A. You, you know, uh, about BDSM. About sex. We sex. talked about the question of, do all women want to be sexually dominated? Yeah. I mean, and, and we talked some shit about some people. Oh, we I did mean, talk shit. Oh, boy. But it, if you want to hear the really good, really juicy stuff, I mean, Sex and Science Hour is pretty good, but... If you want to hear the private stuff, yeah. you got to become a patron and you got to pay, pay at least a buck a month, which, come on, a buck a month, that's yeah. really not much. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's affordable. And it's at SovereignTech.com. How do you spell that, Brian? Yeah, S-O-V-R-Y-N. Tech.com. Okay, nobody's paying the free price of this podcast to hear me sing so (laughs) they want to hear us talk so uh i promised we would talk about crispr the crispr gene editing tool according to gizmodo is finally being used on humans do you ever want to read that gizmodo gizmodo yeah gizmodo i never have but now i will i think it every time i I will from now that is i think that speaks volumes all right we're just gonna start calling it that all right gizmodo Gizmodo. good old george dvorsky we read his articles all the time thank you george for providing show prep to sex and science hour Uh um So, a team of scientists in China has become the first to treat a human patient with the groundbreaking CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technique. Now, this is basically a thing that can go out and selectively um, delete or edit specific genes. Right. So, it's a very powerful tool for gene manipulation. Yeah, the genetic engineering dream come true. Yeah, I mean, and up to this point, it was great for making um, knockout mice, which mm-hmm. was which was a process that used to be way less efficient. It would take years. Now it's sped up the process a lot. It's a it's like a very a big time saver for scientific research. Not many clinical ap- applications yet, but you know they're coming, and so this is an example of how they're coming down the pipe. While the results of the trial are uncertain, they say, it's a historic milestone that should serve as a serious wake-up call to the rest of the world. 
A research team led by oncologist Liu Yu at Sichuan University delivered modified immune cells to a patient suffering from an aggressive form of lung cancer. The scientists used CRISPR-Cas9 to make the cells more resilient in the presence of cancer, marking the first time that the powerful gene-editing tool was used to treat a human. The study was limited to one patient in order to test the safety of CRISPR. Given the encouraging results, another 10 patients will be treated as part of an ongoing clinical trial being conducted at the West China Hospital in Chengdu. Um, Now, let's just stop there. One, lots of clinical trials and huge new medical breakthroughs going on in Asia. Yes. um, Which I think has a lot to do with the fact that the regulations are enabling it. Yeah, if if not even just non-existent. Right, because right. the the technology exists all over the world. It's just that you can't find <laughs> you can't find doctors in the U.S. that can get through the FDA's red tape to be able to do this. Right, or who are willing to do it without <laughs> going, skirting around the FDA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no way. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, now, I'm guessing, I wonder what they deleted out of these immune cells. So it sounds like what they did was took some of the patient's immune cells, right? This guy had terrible lung cancer, is going to die anyway, probably, mm-hmm. very sick. Um, let's try to treat him with CRISPR to see if it's safe and see if it works. So, all right, they take out some immune cells, they put them in a dish, they treat him with CRISPR and probably delete some surface marker that the immune cells, uh, that is like a flag to the cancer, where they keep out the immune cells or the cancer somehow evades the immune cells. They probably deleted something that made it easier for the immune cells to attack the cancer, I'm guessing. Okay. Because there there are immune molecules like that. Sure. So, and then they put them back into the patient and they saw what it did to the lung cancer. So anyway, um, genetically modified cells, back to the article here, genetically modified cells have been transplanted into humans before, but the use of CRISPR is significant in that it's the most powerful, efficient, and easy-to-use system currently available. The news that CRISPR has finally been used on a human patient is bound to attract the attention of scientists elsewhere and accelerate the race to get gene-edited cells into clinics. As University of Pennsylvania immunotherapy press professor Carl June told Nature News, I think this is going to trigger Sputnik 2.0, a biomedical duel on progress between China and the United States, which is important since competition usually improves the end product. I think he's right about that. Completely right. Yeah. And I well, and here's here's one of my concerns, though, is yeah. that the Chinese government uh, particularly. Yeah is interested in creating super babies, like literally creating like a, like a yep. super race. They are. I mean, the technology is such that someone's going to do it. Yeah. I mean, they're doing everything outside of CRISPR to yeah. try and, I mean, like from, you know, even selective breeding. Yeah. Uh, I've talked about it on, actually, I've had you on to talk about it on Sovereign Tech. Yeah, we did. Uh, we talked about that two years ago. Yeah. Now, I think the, the comfort I find in that is that, like, if the technology's out there, people are going to use it. Like, we are going to have con, you know, <laughs> but we might not have... Con as in K-A-H-N. Yeah, in Star Trek. You're right. It, right, the genetically modified humans yes. who are supposedly superior. But the comfort I take in it is that... It, so people are going to try for con, they're going to try for superhumans. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, nature always kind of puts... what Humans love to think they're smarter than nature and smarter than genetics, mm-hmm. but we're not. Mm-hmm. And we often can't predict the ro- results of editing genes. It's not just as simple as, oh, well, you turn this gene up and a person gets smarter or you turn this gene down and the person gets more better looking and, and skinnier. Right. It's just not like that. It's not that simple. And it's a complex web of stuff where if you 
tweak one part of the web, you might get compensation for it and it might have no effect. Or you might disrupt other parts of the web and then something else goes out of whack and it's lethal. Yeah, well, I mean, as an easy example, like say you did something, you modified genes to where a person had superior hearing, Mm -hmm. you know, which you would think is totally benign. Okay, they can hear better. Uh, That person could honestly, in our society as it is built today, um, have an entire decades lifelong, uh, you know, of headaches. Um, yeah, you know, be, because of the fact <laughs> right. that they have superior hearing. I mean, but people usually don't think about, wait a minute, what about this? You know, life, even even the the artificial parts that that we've that humans have, have added to the, mm-hmm. you know, the the, the ecology, um, you know, it it, it all kind of comes together on, on its own. And it's hard to consider everything because it's not it's really not centrally planned as hard as anybody oh, tries. Totally. To, it's a, you know, you're right. You're exactly right to say that, Brian. I completely agree with mm-hmm. you. What people are doing who are trying to create super babies is centrally planning the human genome. They're centrally planning biology, and that just does not work. Right. Central planning doesn't work in any context. It especially doesn't work in biological matters. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't think they'll be able to do it. I mean, not only that, but like the reason we have the gene pool that we have is certain traits are advantages in one environment and disadvantages in another. For example, um, sickle cell anemia. Everybody's familiar with this one, nah, right? Are you going to bring up the... Well, it's the hemoglobin. Yeah. So it's a mutation in the hemoglobin gene mm-hmm. that if you have one copy of the so-called bad gene, you are actually resistant to getting malaria, which right. is endemic in certain parts of the world, Africa, Greece, Mediterranean, um, which is where these traits are, are actually common. These genes survived in those areas because people were threatened with malaria. Mm-hmm. But if you have two bad copies of the gene, you get sickle cell anemia or beta thalassemia, which are the diseases that come with it. Right. So but if you're unlucky to get those two copies, then you're kind of out of luck. But if you have just one copy, then you're resistant to malaria. So that gene survived because it confers an advantage. There's not it's it's not just a bad disease gene that, you know, should be gotten rid of and there's no advantage to it. You know what right. I mean? So a lot of genes are like that. They're they're around for a reason. And though they can cause disease or or sickness or, quote, not an ideal outcome in some contexts, they can be an advantage in other contexts. So it's going to be really hard to create superhumans, I think, because natural selection and our genetics have already done a great job of that, I think, of selecting the most advantageous traits. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. And I mean, I know there's a lot of projects out there going on right now. Um, like there's the guy, Brian Johnson, not the lead singer of ACDC, unfortunately, but um, he has he has this whole project he's running now just to try and like boost human intelligence. But everything he's looking at, and I think this is very intelligent of him, is something that doesn't that you don't you know do to the body. You don't like inject to the body. It's something that you can add on and just take off if you need to. Uh, which I think that's kind of the direction to go if you're going to try and improve the human species is make it optional, you know, it, like in every <laughs> yes, way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And smartphones are doing that for us to a certain extent. To a degree, yeah. Technology, wearable technology that you can take off. Yeah. Um, I, I agree that I don't think it's necessary to go to the level of altering the actual genome. Mm-hmm. There are actually known improvements that you can do, environmental stuff that doesn't cost anything really, that like, for example, not spanking or hitting your kids is, oh, yeah. is shown to improve their IQ and their intelligence. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and to make them less scared, less aggressive, less violent. Right. Um, also, good nutrition, you know, just good, simple things like that. Yeah. Probably improve IQ and intelligence. Uh, IQ is a can of worms because does it really measure intelligence? But you can give your kid a better life. 
right. in, in ways that don't cost anything and don't require messing with their DNA. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're getting kind of broad with this. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, it just it reminds me of this is something I talk about a lot, too, is that. You know, you get a lot of these programs and there, I mean, there's talks in the U S about this sort of thing too. And a lot of times it comes down to, okay, can we make better soldiers with this sort of thing? I mean, it's very much kind of a, a captain America scenario, you know, where you make the super soldier and all that, you know, using this kind of, uh, you know, this kind of technology and engineering, mm-hmm. uh, genetic engineering. And it's always like, you know, I mean, the problems right, right there, right in front of your face. You know, right. Why are you trying to create a soldier? Well, right. Like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're and because there's arguments about this stuff. Is this used like even with CRISPR? I'm sure like this is probably very this is obviously very controversial because yep. is this ethical in the first place? Well, it's like, OK, so you're asking whether or not it's ethical to create a super soldier. Hold on. What are the ethics of war? Wait, war is completely unethical. Exactly. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like why? You, you know, your conversation is meaningless. Yeah. In, in the bigger picture. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah oh that yeah that so i get worried when i hear this sort of shit i know it's totally true like some of the same people who are opposed to abortions for women who don't want to be or people who don't want to be pregnant mm-hmm. are also the same people who are oppo- who are totally in favor of dropping all these bombs on actual born children in right. the middle east you know yeah <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous no abortions unless they're brown so uh, the last couple paragraphs just Interesting. We had already sort of speculated about this, but um, this is a little more about what the patient was going through. To treat the patient with metastatic lung cancer, Lou's team removed immune cells from his blood and then knocked out a gene using CRISPR-Cas9. The unwanted gene codes for a protein that interrupts a cell's immune response, a genetic quirk that cancer exploits to spread itself even further. The modified cells were then cultured to create a large batch and then injected back into the patient. So exactly as we thought. Yeah. Um, It's hoped that the edited cells will attack and defeat the cancer. And Lou said the initial treatment went well. So we'll have to see if it cures his cancer. But it seemed to have he he didn't like die from the cells or anything. (laughs) And why would he? Because they're not adding any foreign proteins or anything. They're not giving him an antibody or something that his immune system could reject. They're just taking out a thing that makes the cancer uh, more able to hide right. from the immune cells. So anyway, um, the the U.S. is a bit behind China in this area, he says, reflecting the contrast between China's unwavering enthusiasm for biotechnology and America's trepidation when it comes to such work. In 2015, as you said, Brian, a different team in China became the first to genetically modify a human embryo using CRISPR. Scientists and bioethicists in the United States took note, approving a number of baby step guidelines that should put America on a similar path. The latest breakthrough by Liu and his team will likely motivate similar efforts in the U.S. and elsewhere. And indeed, there are already plans in the U.S. to start clinical trials using CRISPR to treat bladder, prostate and renal cell cancers. Although none of these trials have been approved, nor do they have adequate funding, says George. Gizmodo! Uh, Gizmodo! Um, so yeah, it's, it's already beginning. They are already editing, editing human embryos with CRISPR. I don't like, I, you know, I, I love it or I, I love a lot of developments. I think, you know, a lot of things being done, uh, you know, to cure diseases and all that wonderful. I, and I hate to use this term like just, I don't know. It all feels playing God. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. all feels like playing God. Right. And, and, and that's, that term is around for a reason. I agree with you. I'm not religious and I'm not coming at this from a religious angle and I mm-hmm. am a scientist, but again, humans always think they're smarter than nature. And, and we just time and time again, we're proven that we got arrogant. We were wrong. Mm-hmm. We didn't understand the whole system and we tried to mess with it before we really understood it. And we ended up with a bad result. That happens so often. Like yeah. you would think people would learn the lesson, but they don't. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, that, that's, that's. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't like it. I like. I mean, I wouldn't put a stop to the research. Yeah. Really, but. Uh, just, I guess you could say that that's how you figure it out by playing with it. But I don't know how many yeah. people do you hurt when you play with it. Yeah. Who's the guinea pig? Yeah. Indeed. Who's a guinea pig? I'm not no guinea pig. Well, what about you, Brian Sovereign? Uh, not for this. No, <laughs> not for this. Well, in the bedroom, um, that'd be different. Oh my! Though Alien my eggies and tentacles. Alien eggies. Oh, we talked about that, didn't <laughs> we? Recently. That's right. Yes, and that's a perfect segue because that was our first episode of Sex and Science Hour this season. It was about alien eggies. We started off the season with oh. a bang. We're now on season three of Sex and Science Hour, but that means there were a whole two seasons of Sex and Science Hour before this one. Season one and season two are available on our website, which is sexandsciencehour.com, or on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash sexandsciencehour. You can listen to them there, and they're conveniently organized into little playlists just for you, so you can listen to Sex and Science Hour all night long. And we try to... Sorry, what were you saying, Brian? I was going to say we try to keep it evergreen. But, yeah, we do. It's yeah. pretty timeless. Pretty yeah, timeless. I, I I don't see the clock, so I I don't. I'm sorry, but that's all yeah, right. It was fine. Yeah, no, no apologies no necessary. Let's just rock and roll <laughs> forward. So I I had another article. This is not a sex article though, so we're gonna get right into the sex because I know that's what you people want. I know that's why you perverts listen to our show because <laughs> you're hoping, praying that we'll talk about sex. <laughs> so we'll save that. It was an article about how your name influences like how people treat you. And, oh, man. and longer names versus shorter names, but we'll save that for next week. All right, now, all right, moving we'll save it. Show prop right sure. now because we actually have a <laughs> a fascinating article that was sent to us by a listener, and it relates to sex. So there's a, a gay dentist, Doctor Koo. Doctor Koo <sighs> has put his dental skills to use by making a blowjob prosthetic, where wow. it you put it in your mouth. It's like a little retainer. It's almost like Invisalign, you might say. And uh, put it in your mouth, and it has little nubbies, so that when you give a blowjob, it feels good. Okay. Supposedly. <laughs> now, I mean, I think I've I've never received blowjob not being a man and not having a penis, but, um, which are not necessarily related, uh, <laughs> not having a penis, I've never received a blowjob, but I imagine it feels great when it's just in a woman's mouth with no nubbies, or in a man's mouth with no nubbies. Yeah. Uh, huh. Do it. Does it really need to be improved? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, do you want to read the article? Because I, I okay, mean, sure. I have thoughts out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, this this was from our anonymous listener through our contact form on our website. Okay, but I mean, just to be clear, this is like literally this is ribbed for his pleasure. Yes. Like, that's, this, that's that's exactly what it is. Okay. You can see a picture. We'll put a link in the show notes. Of course, we always put every article we talk about on the show linked to in our show notes. Um, which are on sexandsciencehour.com. This is from the new scientist, actually, <laughs> .com. Sex and dentistry. I made a fellatio prosthetic for my mouth. Dentist turned artist Kwang Yi Koo wants to change the way we think about medicine and our mouths with custom sex prosthetics. <laughs> Frank Swain tried it out. And I think Frank Swain is the author of the article. Yeah, he is. All right. She, he says, to my right, a woman with pink hair is struggling to keep a cup of goopy blue silicone in her mouth. To my left, a man is fashioning tiny nipples from alginate. All around us are eyeless dummies with mouths gaping in silent laughter at the scene. We're in the dentistry school lab at King's College London, which has been taken over for the day by Taiwanese artist Kwang Yi Koo for his fellatio modification project. <laughs> the workshop is part of a new exhibition in London by Science Gallery, a network of exploration, 
uh, sorry, exhibition spaces focused on art science collaborations. The exhibition called Mouthy Into the Office. <laughs> oh, no, Into the Orifice. <laughs> <laughs> Mouthy Into the Orifice features a collection of installations, art activities, and lectures to explore the world of all things oromaxillary. <laughs> Having and the maxilla, of course, is the jaw. Having worked with as a dentist for six years, Ku is now producing speculative design projects at the Design Academy in Eindhoven, the ne- Netherlands. Of course, he did this in the, in the Netherlands. Of course. <laughs> Science doesn't have a great track record when it comes to incorporating human sexuality into research and practice. Oh, that's for damn fucking sure. Yeah. Dentistry, for example, considers three functions for the oral cavity. Aesthetics, pronunciation, and mastication. <laughs> there is an... Mastication is chewing, of yeah. course. <laughs> you pervs. <laughs> <laughs> There is another function, sex, which is never mentioned in the textbooks, says Ku. I'm from the gay community, and I realize that the medical school is a very patriarchal system, very serious, and the professors are very traditional, particularly in Asian countries. Um, I got news for you. It's like that in America, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would know. I've been there. You've been there. So, he says, I wanted to approach that relationship. <laughs> Instead of, you know... I I had a professor, it was funny, we were in anatomy lab, um, and we were doing the female or reproductive system anatomy. Mm-hmm. Somebody asks, asks a professor about the G-spot. Well, how do I find the G-spot on this cadaver? And it was a woman who asked the question. Okay. Like, she was asking, like, well, does it really exist, basically? Yeah, yeah. And an old, an older <laughs> white professor uh, said... Oh, it doesn't exist. It's a myth. It's just made up. <laughs> and a younger female white professor said, actually, it's right here. <laughs> it was just a really funny moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said, no, it really does exist. <laughs> now, in um, there was an Italian anatomist who dissected c- corpses, cadavers, mm-hmm. um, and he drew like very anatomically correct, you know, like basically the first Netter's Anatomy manual. Okay. Like he drew this, this amazing anatomical manual that named a lot of the parts and showed all the structures and their relationship to each other. And he tried to be, of course, anatomically correct in the female genitalia and put the clitoris in his drawings. And the church um, told him, like, he couldn't put it in there. They put him in jail. They actually put this guy in jail for just drawing in the clitoris until he took it out of his books. And so it wasn't in the books for years. Well, remember, that is the button that goes straight to hell. (laughs) That that is the button to hell. It is is the doorbell. All right. I'll see you in hell. The devil's doorbell. (laughs) 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 You press it. You're gone. <laughs> the floor just falls out from under you. He just drops down straight into hell. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I pressed it all the time and it didn't happen. Well, anyway, never mind. All right, let's go. Um, instead of treating disease and restoring normal function to the mouth, Ku imagines dentists enhancing it along one particular line, the act of performing fellatio. To do this, he created retainers which offer a more intense sexual experience for the male partner. And then he shows there's like a little diagram that shows like a cross section of a dick in someone's mouth. And it's rubbing up against the little nubbies Hmm. that are in his mouthpiece. So, yeah, you go. go, No, you go. That's basically it. You go ahead with your thoughts. I was going to say, like, well, first off, I'm not one. Like, I, okay, I, I, this is going to sound maybe kind of kind of 
maybe like a double standard or something. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really care for sex toys being used on me uh-huh. or, or like, or me using them. I mean, there's some things like, and, and, and I'm not saying this is a boast. I'm just saying like, like bumpers are okay because sometimes that's needed. And what, what I mean are, you know, bumpers, that, dick bumpers, that, dick bumpers. Because that if your things... dick is too long, it's going to bash into the woman's cervix exactly. and it might be uncomfortable. Exactly. These kind of developments and it's ridiculous how hard it is to get those. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, usually, you usually have to make them out of a masturbation sleeve. Right. You have to get a master with, with those little nubs on it. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Know, you have to buy one of those. Like there's the one, the Maven. Okay. And, and <laughs> then you have to cut it like in half mm-hmm. or whatever the length is that you need, you know, for the bumper. Um, I get that, but like, I don't like toys in general, me, me personally. Mm-hmm. And I, myself like i mean it's fine for women like i and i and i'm happy to use toys on women and all that i just don't want them really used on me so granted i do have that bias i think as to why i might not like really like this mm-hmm. as a guy um because i'd be the one that this would get used on <laughs> but i think you know a blowjob i mean there are the sensations about it but i really think a great blowjob comes down to a lot more than the right feeling of it in the mouth yeah definitely like, so much of it is psychological like i've been, yeah well i won't say too much but <laughs> i think every guy says this to every woman who gives him a blowjob but i guys that i've given blowjobs to have said i'm the best blowjob they've ever received right I, pretty much every guy says that i want to confirm that but um i don't know if you want me to say it so anyway <laughs> Well, you can say I'm the best. You are. If you want. Like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> I believe you mean that, but I also think that it's a common thing. It, like, I think that- Yeah, every maybe, guy says that to Maybe they everyone. really believe it and mean it in the moment. Yeah. Oh my God, that was the best I've ever experienced. Yeah, they also think but they then, love you at that but moment. But then every blowjob is the best they've ever experienced right. in that moment. And right. they're they're not lying, but they do say it to everybody. So- <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll. Well, anyway. But but the thing I sometimes I'll say, well, thanks. What did you What did you like about it particularly? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, or they'll just volunteer the information, and they'll say, well, you know, like the way you were so excited about it and enthusiastic, yeah. and the way you like looked at me adoringly, and the way you touched me in other places, and you know, it. it so it, it is a lot more than just the way you touch their dick. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, and everybody's different. You know, there's not like, I don't think there's really that one great way necessarily Mm -hmm. to give a blowjob. I mean, for me, like what I think, you know, does it, it would not be these nubs. It would not be this device. Um, and I, I actually, it would, it would really turn me off. Like, I, I know there's some people into this sort of thing where like, you know, they even like, you know, you can get metal rings that keep a woman's mouth open, right? Some people are into BDSM, do that sort of thing. I yep, don't care for that either. Cock but I, rings. Cock, yeah, whatever. Keep it hard. Yep. I get all that. And if you're into that, rock and roll. Okay. Not my thing. Yeah. But I, this would actually kind of turn me off. Yeah, um, I think I I think I agree. I think I mean I feel like the sensation is is enough, like as it is. Like I, you, your body comes with all the equipment that you need to give sexual pleasure in a great way. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily need anything else in order to have a good time. Also, would it be kind of like sticking your dick into like some dentures? Which that's kind of weird to me. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's it's all very strange. Yeah. I mean, so the guy, the dentist, looks at it as. He looks at it as like basically using technology to make an extension of your body that embraces your sexuality and ex- and like celebrates it. Mm. And using like kind of medical stuff to cuz the he's right that the worlds of art and medicine and sex don't really cross too often. 
No, that's that's well, that's maybe true. art and sex do, but not medicine and sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not not all three. No, I, yeah, I agree with that. I I, I appreciate that. But so yeah. yeah, I like the idea. But yeah, I think you're right. It wouldn't be my particular cup of tea. But I like the the concept behind it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me, like you know, it, it's it's the the intensity, the passion, like almost like like the look. Perhaps you know what what'll for me with the blowjob, like what gets me off instantly, almost mm-hmm. is. The, like a look of, of the only way I can describe it is hunger. Okay. Just like this look of <laughs> hunger on the woman's face. She doesn't have to look up at me, you know, yeah. I mean, she can, but you know, like it's, it's not about that. And actually sadly, and this isn't true for me, but for a lot of guys, I think the real thing is, is kind of like that the woman's on her knees looking up at him and like worshiping his cock. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just worshiping him. Like in worshiping he's him. Kind yeah. of, he's in charge. Mm-hmm. He's, and, and I don't dig he's that at all. Right. I don't dig that at all. And I kind of feel a, a little part of me feels like that this is this kind of falls into that realm, too, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, yeah, put this in so you can't close your mouth or something like that. I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but I don't. Yeah, it's just I mean, I get it and I appreciate kind of the the idea, the abstract behind it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, not my bag. There we yeah. Go. No, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you there. I think you, you would never be into doing, you would never be into any device or act that hurts your partner for the mm, sake of no you way. feeling a little bit better. And I, I agree with you. I don't like that stuff sure. either. I don't know if this hurts the person who's wearing it, but well, yeah, there, there are some them. devices that do. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah. that's You're what no I got. You're no sadist there, Brian no. Sovereign, and, which is one of the reasons <laughs> I love you. Right. On. So... <laughs> So, Brian, what should people call us? We got a listener email. Um, they actually wrote a longer email, but just the last um, paragraph was what they wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Excuse it me. Was... Um, what? Oh, no. I was just going to say, what is it? What was the... Oh, so um, so they said, I always refer to both of you in my emails as you two. I first type out, hey, guys, and then I think to myself... Oh, is that sexist? <laughs> what do you think? Is it really a big deal? No, actually, he said, what do you two think? <laughs> is it really a big deal? I do think about it and try not to do it, and not just when emailing the two of you. I'm pretty sure that even in the Spanish language, the masculine form of a word takes precedence over the feminine form. So even if that there is only one male in a group, the group would be referred to by the masculine form of the word. And yeah, he's right. Like Yeah, hermano you know, can mean siblings. Yep, hermano is brother, and... um. If there's like a brother and a sister, it would be hermanos. And it's just known that that's what that means. I Mm -hmm. mean, yeah. Yeah. Ninos is another one, children Mm -hmm. or boys. Right. Ninas is girls. So anyway, um, yeah, they're in there. I think that's not just Spanish. There's other languages that use the masculine and feminine where that the masculine one takes precedence. Um, so that's at least what I was taught in high school. He said, is the Spanish language sexist? (laughs) I'm not even discounting the possibility that it is inherently sexist. I mean, that rule sounds like it was written by a man. (laughs) 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 It's a serious question I have always thought about. If I was in a group of girls and was referred to as, hey girls, well, it wouldn't really bother me. Plus I'm already in a group of girls. So how can I be mad? (laughs) And the guy, the person writing this is a man. So he's saying if he was surrounded by women Mm -hmm. and somebody walked over to the group that included him and a bunch of women and said, hey, girls, or hey, ladies, yeah. he wouldn't be offended because there's more women than, than just him. Right. You know? um, but, they, but they wouldn't really say that. If there's one guy in the group, I think they would say it would be, oh, hey, guys, or hey, y'all, or hey, people. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just, hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, so he says, how could, if I'm already in a group of girls, how can I be mad? But I see it as bugging some. And if it did, they'd have to agree that guys is at best inconsiderate if there are females present. What do you think? So how, how should he call, how do you prefer to be referred to, Brian? All right. So like, this is one of those areas where the South mm-hmm. of the United States gets def- it right. They've got a one up. I'm totally with you. And I'm glad yeah. you said that. Cause that's exactly what I was thinking. Y- yeah. Y'all is a great way to refer to a group of people. Yeah. Y'all's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that it gets lumped in with the rest of, or a lot of other, you know, Southern idioms or, uh, or, you know, words, terms, all this. Yep. Uh, and so people think it sounds dumb mm-hmm. um, when it's actually a brilliant word. I mean, yeah, yeah it's terrible English, you know, by, by the, by the, by the numbers, by the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it works. I mean, it like, like it fits and it, it, it really, it is so gender neutral. It's probably the most gender neutral term, uh, you know, that gets used in the English world. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's he, by him saying you two or you both, that's mm-hmm. another way to, to make it neutral. Yep, and I think is- that's, that's perfectly fine. I like you both, or I like you. Um, and so my, my three favorite ways to refer to a group in a gender neutral way are y'all, as you mm-hmm. said, um, you folks, is yep. another one. Folks is a is a very popular gender neutral like pronoun for they. Yeah. And um you people is the third one. What do you mean you people? Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean it could sound like completely racist in a certain context. I wouldn't usually say you people actually. I would just say like people say this or you know what I mean when I'm not like saying hey you, I'm saying that group over there. Uh-huh. Those people say this. And yeah, again, those people, like it sounds like, oh, those people, they yeah. live in those neighborhoods, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, all right. I I mean, I honestly, and I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm a guy, you know, I understand. Um, I, I personally don't think, hey guys mm-hmm. is a bad term. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I, I really feel like that's one that people should just kind of let slide, like let, let it go. Uh, you know, I had an argument, <laughs> I, I was just reminded of this argument I had with a, a guy who was a objectivist and he was really into Ayn Rand uh-huh. and he was, we were talking about all these quotes. Now, a lot of people think Ayn Rand was kind of sexist. I think she was actually kind of sexist. Because oh, she, she said a woman can't run the country. Yeah, she had, she, she definitely had that. lots of yeah. ideas about gender roles that were pretty conventional and, you know, a woman's place and a man should be the leader and all that. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I still respect a ton of her work, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah I do too. I agree. I love a lot of her work. Um, but, you know, that, that disagreement aside, we were talking about quotes from various Ayn Rand books and how they all said, man, like man's achievements, you know, the productive achievements of man and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, so why does, why couldn't she just have said humans or humankind instead of mankind? Like when I hear man or mankind, I'm like, oh, they're not talking to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You've talked to me about this too. I mean, I, so why I, should you guys be any different? Right. They're not talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get, I've gotten used to you guys because it's so common, but it's just, it does feel a little bit like, it, especially if I start to think about it, it's like, oh, well, they're not really talking to me. Well, I mean, how, you know, yeah, I, I really do get it. And, and, it, and it's so, it's so tough because, you know, like I, another term that I've in the past few years been made sure to, to use a lot more is gals. 
mm-hmm. you know, because it's not like if you if you're talking to a woman, a lot of people will say girls. Yes. You're like a girl. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I'm grown up. Like, please address me as a I'm woman. A woman, right. That's where gal can mean either. You know, like, like exactly. It's, it's a very. And so that's a great word to use. But you see, but then you run into an, you run into another issue, you know, and, and, and I think it's important to lay that, you know, to say gals and all that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what about the people that don't have a gender, you know, or don't or don't or have a different, I don't know, whatever they folks, want to come up. They're with. folks, folks. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> like, here's the thing is that, you know, you can no longer like saying ladies and gentlemen's not enough. I mean, you got to kind of talk like data and Star Trek nemesis and say ladies and gentlemen and various transgender species. Uh, you know, or, um, data said that. Yeah. And, and nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> now I know why you say that. Yes. Oh my God. So, I mean, or you have to say Z, but then not everybody's up with Z and you got to say they, and, the, and please, I want to respect what people want to be called. I really, really do. Um, I just worry that, I don't know, eventually we're going to get to some strange point. My, what I really want to happen is I want new words invented. You know, I think the English language sucks for one. Like, like it's actually, it's a terrible fucking language a boy something i and rand would disagree on uh you know i'll disagree with her all day on that because she thinks oh it's the greatest language fucking ever made you know and and i think that's absolute bullshit um but i i really think new kind of new words maybe need to enter the parlance i mean and then you know girlfriend boyfriend those are only a hundred years old yeah i i mean so you know you can make new terms and i think that that kind of has to happen because otherwise what we're going to run into is and this is such a problem especially today you know like we're doing a podcast here you have to disclaim so much. You have to say, oh, but I don't believe this, 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 this. And then finally you can get to what you want to talk about, where instead you could have had a fascinating 10 minute conversation if you didn't have to run all your disclaimers. You know what I mean? And instead you only have two minutes, you know, to talk about it. And that's very annoying. So I, I really think we need new terms. Otherwise, when we're trying to just like introduce people or just say hi to people, we are going to end up having to say entire paragraphs instead of two words. And, and, and like, that's, that is a future I do not want. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there are definitely creative ways to work around it and you don't have to take up that much headspace thinking about it. I was just thinking about what do I do when, like, I appreciate that this person asked, yeah. um, any of those ways that you want to address us are fine with me. Even if you said you guys, I, it's fine with me. I, people mm-hmm. write us emails all the time where they say you guys, yeah. and I know who they're, I know they're talking to me and it's fine. Um, when I'm writing an email to a group that's CC'd with a big group of people that has various different genders or people I don't know their gender or I don't know their gender identity, they could be they could be male, female, cis, trans, I don't know, agender, you know, they mm-hmm. could be anything. I just say, hi, comma, and then I write my email or hi, everyone, comma. Yeah. Write the email. It, it, it really is not that big of a deal. And people get worked up about pronouns and... I don't know. I just I hate it when people complain about pronouns because it's like, okay, it's it's nice that you're thinking about it. And I can see how sometimes it could be confusing or take up some headspace, but it it really doesn't need to. And also, it's kind of like not that big of a deal, especially compared to what transgender people go through. Sure. Like no transgender person chooses to be trans because they're like, ha 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 ha. I get to like lord it over people when they call me the wrong pronoun now and I'm going to purposely confuse them. Oh yeah. yeah. Nobody does that. Like they would, it's hard to be trans if they, if they had a choice, they probably wouldn't be trans because they, you know, would want to have an easier life. Yeah. So, you know, nobody does it on purpose. They're not like, you know, trying to manipulate your thoughts or anything like just, 
get over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, not that big of a deal. Yeah, you know, I don't know how far we want to go on this because, like, there there's some points that, like, I I really do think some of this can get taken too far. Okay, what goes too far in your opinion? Okay, there's people out there who think they're dragons, <laughs> and I mean that dead serious. That they think that they're fucking dragons. I will not call you a dragon. I'm sorry. Like, or no, I'm not sorry. I'm not going to call you a dragon. You're a fucking human being. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. I mean, I mean, you know, and that doesn't mean that, you know, cause one could take that argument and say, well, this person has the biological, uh, you know, mapping of, of a female of the species. So yeah, she, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so she must be, you know, a woman and I'm not going to call you anything else. No, mm-hmm. I, I, th- no, I'm, I'm not buying into that because I think consciousness has, you know, has a lot more to play in there. Okay. But look, dragons aren't real. <laughs> you know, like this is the problem. I mean, what are, what do they call What are those? Not the furries. What are the other kin. The there's, there's other kin. Oh, and then the, uh, Therians. Therians. Or, I think it's Therians yeah. or something. I just really don't think I have to respect that. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't, although to be fair, like I've literally never met one except for this, this woman who th- we're talking about somebody who's a YouTube celeb who had a recent, breakup or kind of drama with her husband where her husband released a video saying that she kind of like thinks she actually is a dragon and she goes back and forth between dragon and human form and stuff like that yeah and like to be fair i've never met anybody i've met plenty of transgender people online and in person and i always try to call them by the pronouns that they tell me they want to be called yep i would do the same yep and you do too um but (laughs) I've never met anybody in person or online that was like demanding that I address them as an animal when they're actually a human, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't, I, I agree. I haven't, you know, and maybe that's just a bridge that gets crossed when, when it happens, I, but yeah, I guess, but I mean, I, it, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I get worried. How far does this go? Like, I mean, do you know, at what point does someone like break from reality? You know, how far do I have to respect that? Like, I don't have to, I don't have to respect. I mean, I'm not going to do anything to anybody. You don't have to respect anybody. I mean, respect is earned, not demanded, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, in the case of trans people, they, you know, the idea that someone could be trans has earned my respect. Oh, absolutely. Transgender. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, one thing I think that's really important with all this is that like the emailer, just the fact that they're thinking about it, mm-hmm. which I think is wonderful. Um, I think that will unconsciously uh, uh, manifest yeah, exactly. when you talk to people. And right. The n- fact that you're concerned about whether you're not, you might be saying something offensive or unwanted is going to be insurance against the fact that you won't because you're aware of it. You're right. showing that you're aware of it. Right. And I think even the way you say, if you ever just accidentally say you guys, it may even unconsciously, because you're concerned about this, will come out in your intonation. And the person who might normally be offended or something like this will hear they meant that in a nice way. Sure. You know, I, I think that that's another huge part of it, but mm-hmm. it's great to be conscious of these things. I think it's super important. Yeah. And I'm totally on board with you, Stephanie, that, you know, what people want to be called, call them that. Mm-hmm. I just think that with, with the advent of the internet, which humanity is barely prepared <laughs> Not ready for, for. Uh, there's, <laughs> you know, there, there, things are going to get awfully strange, awfully quick. And I don't know how I'm going to handle some of that. 
<laughs> well, you know, I think it it matters so much more on the internet because when you're talking to somebody in person, there's so many other communication things right. that come through body language and tone and and so forth, tone yep. of voice. You know, like if you're talking to a group of people and you look around at everyone in the eye, you make sure to make eye contact with everybody in the group and you say, "Hi guys, I'm Stephanie." blah blah blah. Right. Whatever you want to talk about. That's different than if you only kind of look at the men or you only like talk to the men in the group exactly. or if you only talk to the women in the group and you say you got, you know what I mean? So inclusiveness goes beyond just the pronoun that you use. Yes, exactly. Yes. But when we're on the internet, all we have is the, is the word. We don't have the body language. We don't have the tone of voice. We don't have the eye contact and all that. And even the emojis have not caught up. The emoji <laughs> game is weak. Yes. The emoji <laughs> game is weak. Um, so, we got another email um, asking us to uh, read an article from OkCupid, and we're running out of time on this, so we'll just be real quick. It's called Looks and Your Inbox, and OkCupid analyzes trends from their uh, dating stuff, and then they make little, uh, you know, commentary about it. Um, but what he said he wanted us to pay attention to was two-thirds of male messages go to the top one-third of women in terms of attractiveness. And women rate 80% of guys as worse looking than medium. So, <laughs> so, so two thirds of the male messages go to the top one third best looking women. Wow. Are you surprised about that? No, eh, not really. 80% um, of guys are, are rated by women as, as worse looking than average. <laughs> so women think most guys are ugly, basically. I, I agree. <laughs> but yeah worse looking than average i mean what do they think is average i guess it's it's interesting i mean are we surprised that women are picky and men are also want be to date beautiful women yeah i mean why what, should that shock anybody I uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think so i mean um I think, you know, so many people, there was a mathematician I saw a TED Talk she did where she mm. sort of hacked the world of online dating. Yeah. She had a profile up and she wasn't getting any hits. And so what did she do? She put on a dress with lots of cleavage, put some makeup on, put her hair down, took some pictures of her doing things like laughing and walking in the park, took some pictures from camera angles that she, that had data behind them that were studied right. to be rated as more attractive. And she just took all this all these data points and put it into her own profile and then she met her future husband. Yeah, I, I mean, this is something, you know, beauty is I what I think beauty really ends up to, at least in the kind of the first sight, in mm -hmm. the, the unconscious, perhaps, is symmetry. And it, it is. But, you know, when you're talking about an online dating site, you all you really need is to get in the door. It's almost like you need someone to pay attention to your profile. And then once you meet them, you can charm them with your great personality. But right. You need to make sure they look at you. Um, and so for that, there's tricks that you can hack it. Sure, sure. But maybe we'll talk about that in the next show. Yeah. To get the, pull those tricks up. I'll have to see if I can find that TED All Talk. All right, let's do that. Yeah. Well, this has been Sex and Science Hour, but never fear, the show's not quite over yet. We actually have an after show, and we're going to have a, a good after show because last week I goofed and I only read that day's items instead of the whole week's items. So stay tuned. More coming up Sex and Science Hour, sexandsciencehour.com. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.
after show. Do an Essa Amazon. What kind of jazz cabbage are you smoking? <laughs> I have been loving those doggo memes. Doggo. Oh my god, they're so fucking funny. Oh boy. Doggo and pupper memes. Forest pupper. They're, it's like it's like dogs, but they call them doggos or puppers. Okay? How did we find out about this? And the this? dogs are like kind of stupid and confused, and they're like, you know, in various situations, and they're like, "What's going on?" And instead of like swearing or anything, they always say "heckin'." Like, <laughs> like one dog is biting another dog, and he goes, "Doing me a heckin' discomfort." <laughs> and then there's like one where the, there's like a baby dressed up as a dog, and it's like the same kind of dog is looking at it, and it goes. Heckin' stupid baby, <laughs> doing me a disrespect. Oh, it, that is cute. It's very cute. Uh, it's super cute. It is. And, it's uh, the new Doge. It's the new Doge. Yeah, do, yeah. Doggo is way better than Doge. I think wow. it's, a, it's an improvement. Well, MK Doggo and I coined... decided that last night. Our producer MK, Aha. we decided that Doggo beats beats Doge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you said grass cabbage before. Jazz cabbage. Okay, oh, jazz cabbage. That's the second time you've done that. Shit. Well, it's it's referring to pot. So yes, <laughs> it's the best term I've ever heard for it. Yeah, it's it's really great. The jazz cabbage. <laughs> what kind of jazz cabbage have you been smoking? <laughs> oh, it's just awesome. Yes. So anyway, on our sex and science hour after show, we read stuff from our Amazon list that was purchased by our listeners, our lovely listeners, who give us money by doing nothing more than their regular old shopping. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Uh, exactly. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. There's also a link on our website. If you just go to sexandsciencehour.com, like maybe you're listening to our show and you're like, oh, I need to do some shopping. I hear there's like a big holiday around the corner. There is? Yeah. Oh, Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday, definitely. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Um, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about Christmas. Yeah. But don't buy the elf on the shelf. No. That's good old Saturnalia. A good time. Saturnalia. Time yeah. for threesomes Festivus. and others. Well, yeah. 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 Oh, Saturnalia. So Saturnalia was an ancient Roman festival of uh, celebrating, I don't know, something with orgies and food, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just how you celebrated back that, in the day. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's yep. what you did. It's like those Geico commercials where they're like, when you're in a movie theater, you just shut off your phone. That's what you do. <laughs> well, when you're in Rome, you have wild orgies and you eat so much you barf. That's you what know, you do. <laughs> blowjobs, they wouldn't do that. Really? Yeah. No, they, they, they thought sticking the penis in the mouth was like that. That was just bad form. That was So bad that was hygiene. bad form, but like in a boy's butt, that was okay. Or like getting out with a goat yeah that's fine but <laughs> oh no blowjobs as long as you don't put it in the mouth that's perverted there you go all right well so what did people buy through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and don't worry we can't see who bought it we just see what was bought and then we get to speculate about it so we do our after show about it and we you know we also talk about things like doggo memes and jazz cabbage you know <laughs> just fun stuff like that so in the amazon instant video the first thing that was purchased was jason Bourne, 2016 movie with matt damon oh and it was like you know the sequel in the Bourne franchise yeah or whatever. it wasn't bad did you see that one i did okay i didn't see that yeah it wasn't bad it wasn't great 
wasn't bad. What did you, do you remember anything about it that you liked or didn't like? No, nah, it was just the Bourne movies. And, and I've even read a lot of like Robert Ludlum's books, which is what a lot of these are based off of. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this was based off of any book unless it was a later one. Um, they're always kind of the same, you know, and he's not like, it's always, I don't know, someone dies or gets hurt. And so he has to kind of get back into action and uh-huh. everything. And he gets sucked back in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this one was kind of cool. Cause it talked a little air. It covered a little more of his origin, which I thought was, was pretty cool, but, uh, or not cool. Cause it's terrible. What happened? CIA, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just wasn't bad. In the, uh, electronics device, somebody got a, a very cool device that I've never seen before, but it looks like it would be actually quite useful. It is a switcher that you can switch back and forth between um, diverting your computer's sound out of your headphones or a speaker. Oh, that's very handy. I it's like that. very handy. Yeah. And, right. it, and it's made by a company called D-Rock, which I never <laughs> heard of, but it says it all. You I've know? heard of ASRock. And I mean that. A-S-R-O-C-K. Yeah. I don't think they pronounce it that way, but... In, but, in the but tech we field, we always call it ASRock. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so what does ASRock, ASRock make? Oh, just all kinds of components for computers, like power supplies, all different stuff. Mm, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this is a $20 por- uh, price point, so it's pretty cheap to get the switcher. Yeah. Now, we in the studio, we have a mixing board, so you know we don't need something like that because I can just route this audio out the speakers by just turning the speakers on, which I have it hooked up in a special way. Mm-hmm. Mostly it comes out the headphones, but if you're just with a laptop or a desktop, you, you would need that. Somebody got a gift card through, and you can get Amazon gift cards through our Sex and Science Hour affiliate link. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they got a Mr. and Mrs. one. It looks like maybe they're going to a wedding. Okay. Got a $50 gift card, and it has a nice little design on it that says, Mi- oh no, it says Mrs. and Mrs. Ooh. Oh, oh it's a gay nice. wedding. I love that. Winner. All right. Yeah. Winner in more ways than one. Maybe they just got it for themselves. Yeah, that's cool. What the hell? <laughs> it's, I thought it said Mr. and Mrs. Am I just like biased? Wow, bad lesbian. No, it says Mrs. and Mrs. I am a bad lesbian. Phenomenal. It says Mrs. and Mrs. I love it. Well, thank you, Mrs. and Mrs. I hope you enjoy your gift card. And if you just bought it for kicks and giggles, that's awesome too. The next thing that was purchased was, I have to say, this is probably my favorite item on the list. I don't know. The Mrs. and Mrs. gift card is good, but this is just, I would never think of this in a million years. Somebody bought a seven pound entire wheel of cheese. Holy crap. Manchego cheese. You won't be crapping. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, yeah, seven pounds of cheese. It was $71 plus $5 shipping. So it's, yeah, 10 bucks a pound, but it's made from sheep's milk. I mean, you know. Good shit. It's imported from Spain, made from pasteurized sheep's milk, has a firm, dry texture, and sports a lovely herbal aroma. All right. And it's one of those waxy cheese wheels that has, like, you know, wax on the outside. Yeah, yeah. But that is a lot of cheese, seven pounds. I wonder if they run a restaurant or if they just really like cheese. I could go through that in pretty short order. Yeah, you probably, because you eat a lot of cheese, don't you? Yeah. You should put that on your Amazon wish list. (laughs) They don't have to buy any groceries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, how cool would it be if you just got this delivery and they're like, package for you, Brian Sovereign, and then you open up the door and you're like, "Um, sir, we need you to sign for this, please. This is a perishable item. And you're like, oh, okay, what could it be? And then you open it up and it's a fucking wheel of cheese. It'd be pretty epic. Yeah. Yep. 
cross that off the bucket list. <laughs> uh, we, we've got a bunch of Kindle books. Uh, let's see how many of these books you know, Brian, because right. you're the one who usually knows all the books. I I read like a wolf eats. But that's a good quality. I mean, that's a that's a very good quality. Thank I think. You. Thank you very I much. I think it's sexy that you read. I love a bookworm guy oh, or I girl. Oh, bookworm. Misses and misses. <laughs> the only thing, the only problem with Kindle books is like you used to be able to tell so much and you used to like you, you could really gauge a person's fuckability as in like, you know, how fuckable are by they? By their bookshelf. By their bookshelf. And yeah. that, that's just kind of gone by the wayside. But really, I think if somebody has a Kindle. No, because people comment on my bookshelf every time they come over. A new person. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to sell the medical textbooks. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the books that I keep, they're like, oh, interesting book. Look yeah. at that book. Well, yeah, but a lot of people don't have a book. I mean, I, I barely have a bookshelf. I have books yeah. that I can't get digitally. Otherwise, I don't get them. Yeah. Or, I, you know, I get them digitally. Well, see, so. the solution to that is, like, instead of when you go home with someone, you look at their bookshelf, you, you say, show me your Kindle. Yeah. It's like doing a, you know, it's like a dick check. Before you fuck them, you got to audit their Kindle and look at their books. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Even if they have a Kindle alone, that's kind of reason enough to say, I mean, that's sort of like having a, like, that they take reading seriously if they have a Kindle, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Indeed. Um, okay, so in the Kindle uh, category, we've got Conversation with a Mechanical Horse, a fantasy novelette by Floris M. Klein. Nope. Don't nope. know that one. Nico, here's the summary. Nico the mage took his family, his heritage, his freedom. Now, captured and caged, Marcus's very life hangs in the balance. To kill time, he tells his life story to Barno, a passing automaton horse. And the book is called Conversation with a Mechanical Horse. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's very interesting. That is interesting. We've got another book by Floris Klein. And the reason I'm saying it is because Klein is spelled K-L-E-I-J-N-E. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Deep Red, A Short Horror Story. Relocated to the safety of a new home far away, Tom is still haunted by his least favorite axe-toting nightmare. But is it only a dream? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great, actually. Um, haunted 10 tales of ghosts, fantasy and horror series by Tracy McBride and William Michael and a, a bunch of other authors. It's yeah. kind of like a, go, like a goosebumps kind of thing. Yeah. I generally don't read horror, so I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I don't know. I used to read like tons of goosebumps and ghost stories when I was a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. R.L. Stein and. Freaked me out. Good. Yep. That's sure. why I'm so weird today. <laughs> um, <laughs> Leviathan Wakes, book one of The Expanse by oh, James S.A. Corey. Do there you, know, you go. You know that one, Brian? Well, you know that one. Do that, I? That's the show. That, or that's the book for the show. For what show? The Expanse. Oh, oh my gosh. I love The Expanse. Yeah, yeah I didn't but, put two and two together. But now here's the interesting thing. James S.A. Corey is not one person. Oh. It's two. I mean, it's one name, but it's actually two authors. Oh my God. What would we be named if we merged our personalities into one author? Tuvix. Tuvix. No, No, what would be be named? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think. Stephanie Sovereign. Brefany Moffrin. Meeting the Sculptor, also by Floris M. Klein. Uh, Mark, a lonely 30, I like her summaries anyway. Mark, a lonely 30 something alcoholic is visited by a time traveler, Jolo, (laughs) Jolo, Jolo. (laughs) who tells him at what precise moment his life took a turn for the worse and offers him to take, take him back to that moment. Jolo, however, is a sculptor, an amoral esthete in with his own (laughs) motivations for taking Mark back in time. (laughs) 
Oh, so Jolo has his own motivations. <laughs> um, <laughs> are these books any good? Let us know. Um, another anthology, Mirror Shards, Volume 1, an anthology. Explore hmm. the edge of augmented reality in 13 tales from 13 fantastic authors. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it sounds like the Black Mirror a little bit. Which, by the way, we watched the entire series of the yeah, Black Mirror. Yeah, we should do a Black review Mirror. of that at some point. Oh, it was great. It's all like horror story, kind of like Twilight Zone-esque kind of stories. It's, it's, it's an the anthology modern Twilight show. Zone. Yeah. yeah, but it's all about technology. And some of them are scary as fuck. Yeah, some are, you know... There was one favorite episode I had, which was so good it made me cry, and it was one of the only ones with a happy ending. Uh-huh. And that was my favorite. But if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because it involves lesbians and the 80s, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I will say there was in season three, we watched all three seasons, but in season three, there's the episode Man Against Fire, I think it's called. It's mm-hmm. like the second to last of the season. Yes. One of the best hours of television you just could ever watch. Yeah. Was, and I don't, I don't really say good. that lightly. It was really, really something. The Nightmare anyway. of Augmented Soldiers that we were just talking about earlier. Yeah. So Mirror Shards, it looks like kind of similar. Um, when the digital world collides with our real one, bringing all its problems and benefits, mankind will have to relearn what it means to be human. <laughs> um, scared. Oh, someone's really freaking themselves out, huh? <laughs> scared. Ten Tales of Horror. Ten Tales Fantasy and Horror Series. Edited by Rain Hall. That's a 99 cent Kindle book. That looks like the Ghostbumps, uh, not Ghostbumps. Goosebumps. Goosebumps books by R.L. Stein. Yeah. And then finally, we got another sci-fi book. The Glass Parachute by Martin Shoemaker and Alex J. Kane. Oh, no, it's an anthology. Mm. Sorry. Um, this science fiction anthology features 11 original short stories from nine established and emerging authors. Each story is accompanied by black and white illustrations created by one of four artists. The stories span the breadth of the science fiction genre from cyberpunk to alien contact with genetic manipulation to social dystopia. Some investigate the hard technology side of science f- fiction, while others explore the genre's, quote, softer social implications. Now, you know, I love the, I don't, I don't know this one, but I love this kind of book. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's one that I really. Anthologies are great. Well, like, yeah. Erotica, sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. But particularly when, like when there's like, say one picture that they're based around, there's one, one of my favorite books of all time. It's, it's an anthology, but not really an anthology because it's all by the same author and all by the same artist, mm-hmm. but uh, it's called Mind Fields. Um, you're not going to get it digitally. Mm. Um, I have a copy of it. I'll, I'll always have a copy of it. Uh, but the it's the artwork of uh, of Alex Yurka, I think is his name. But what he, what he did was is Yurka's paintings. Harlan Ellison, who is, in my opinion, you know, the greatest author of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a story based upon each painting. He didn't choose the painting. You know, Yurka did the painting, and then Harlan did one for each. Or, you know, did wrote a short story for each, and it is just a, a phenomenal fucking read. It's so good. So, so I, the story was based on the was illustration based around the painting, oh, yeah, cool. or the illustration. Yeah, and it, it's oh, it's so good. So I, I I kind of enjoy that that setup. I think yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's super cool. So um, we <laughs> this is interesting. Somebody bought just the lids for those glass containers that you like put your leftover food in. Mm-hmm. You know, those like Pyrex containers. Yeah. Somebody bought just extra lids. That's, that's it. handy. We need to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know because I have a couple of them where I've lost the lids. It's more than a couple. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is more than a couple, Brian. <laughs> Somebody got the, I have no idea what this is. It's the R. Rolu. 
RX 200 by Wismex CC 200 watt. I have no idea what the fuck this is. Is it a trash can? Uh, is it a charger? I no, really not at $50. It. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck they got. All right, I'll get up and look. Let's... Okay, come over here. Yeah, pull it back up to the top. Not purchase this. You are missing out on an amazing opportunity. This it thing is... produced the biggest cloud I have ever witnessed in my life. Oh, it's a vape. Oh, okay. <sighs> That's what it looks like, I yeah. guess. But it, I guess they maybe they can't say it. It's That's like a, a giant vape. It looks like Alexa. That's how big it is. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. If it must well. have different speeds and settings. Yeah. But anyway, 50 bucks. I mean, you know, what do you think about vaping, Brian? Because I think, you know, they the FDA is trying to outlaw it and stuff now. But yeah. I mean, I think it's probably not good for you, but it's got to be better than smoking. Yeah, better than smoking, sure. I yeah. know there's some research out of RIT that says that it's like worse than smoking as really? far as secondhand. Oh yeah, I've heard that too with the secondhand vape that it's actually quite bad. And I mean, at least it seems like the evidence is saying that vaping is not harmless, like we once thought it was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, people do what they do, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like okay, it's it might be a step better than smoking, but don't just pick it up as a habit because you think it's harmless. Yeah, I I. At the very least, even if it caused no physical harm, it's expensive. It's another yeah, well, thing that's to spend I, money on. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, you know, why, you know, why even, do, if, you do, if you're not into smoking, like, why pick this up? I mean, it, Right. It, yeah. It, it's know. hard to see the point, right? Yeah. And everything just goes up in smoke or vape. <laughs> <laughs> everything just goes up in jazz cabbage. <laughs> now the jazz cabbage, that's a, that's very healthy. It cures cancer and it cures epilepsy, right? That's right. That's right. Jazz cabbage for the win, 2020. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> in the audio equipment department, um, somebody got a microphone that I've actually kind of wanted to try. I've never tried this microphone, but I've heard about it. I've heard good things about it. Um, it's the AKG P420 um, condenser mic, and it's got like a, you know, XLR cable with it and a carrying case and a little stand, which isn't insignificant. You know, you need that stuff and it yep. would run, maybe run you another 20 to 50 bucks if you had to buy it on its, on its own. So um, I'm curious who got this. We, we may never know, but uh, if you have any reports, you want to do a review of this microphone, I'm curious how it sounds. I'm kind of curious to compare it to my microphones. My microphones are a little bit above it in the price range, but I've never actually used any AKG microphone. Nah. I've, I've only used um, the RE20 is what I'm using right now, the Electro Voice RE20, which is a popular one for radio, which I sort of came from radio, so I knew the mic and it sounded yeah. good on my voice. And you've got the Shure um, SM7B microphone, Brian. Yep. Now, I don't like that one for my voice. That's why I make you use it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a decent mic. And then I also have a Neumann um, TLM-102 microphone, which is very, yeah, that's very serious. That's a, whoa, that's almost too much mic for me, man. <laughs> but uh, let us know how that AKG mic is. Somebody also got the Focusrite Scarlett Solo Compact USB audio interface, which is something that I've actually also wanted to try for travel purposes. Sounds like somebody's rocking a podcast. Yeah, some, it sounds like somebody's doing a podcast. Do it, so, do it. So this Focusrite thing is a $100 little preamp but also mixer kind of where you plug in um, your microphone and you have some you know basic controls I think that it has highs and lows for the EQ and it has maybe like a noise gate or something like that and it's a USB powered 
So um, it's, you know, I've heard reviews of it for po- for podcasting, for traveling with the microphone and doing voiceovers. Um, it, it They are getting a full-on setup because if this is the same person, they also got a boom scissor arm for the microphone to mount the microphone on. Good. And just like we use in the studio. So they got the, they chose the um, toner adjustable microphone suspension boom arm. Um, and it just clamps onto the table. So you need a table that's thin enough that you can actually clamp it on. And uh, and that was it for the audio equipment category. So, nice. So good luck with your podcast. It sounds like somebody's starting a podcast. Or your voice work. Or a voiceover. Yeah, that's pretty good. So good luck with wh- whatever you're doing. That sounds pretty cool. And we'd love to hear about it. I'm totally curious who got that stuff. Yeah. And I'm curious who got that wheel of cheese. I mean, <laughs> what is with these people and their wheels of cheese? <laughs> He's getting it from Amazon. He's getting it from Amazon. I can the nerve. The drone can't even lift it up. It's trying. No, it's weighing down the drone. All right. Uh, So somebody must be like studying to be a nurse because somebody got a clipboard that folds out and it has little charts and like you know things that you might need to use it has like reference like you know the normal values of like um lab values in blood tests how to put in an iv um some pupil sizes so you can see if someone's pupils are dilated handy yeah it's very handy it's like all these little references doctors carry them around like little cards in their pockets or something but this is way more efficient because if you're writing stuff down anyway you want a clipboard and then you have your reference material right on the clipboard so this is the uh, nursing edition looks pretty cool um let's see did we talk about this last time? Somebody got a boar site, so we got a lot of people shopping for gun stuff. On yeah, the, I think we talked about that. The boar site, we, we, we had, about did that already. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, well, I can't remember because I think I alluded to this before, but um, last week I made a mistake. I was so distraught over this election that I made a mistake, and I only, when I was looking at the Amazon items, I usually have to click a button to make it show all the stuff that was purchased the previous week week (laughs) but i clicked the wrong button and i only got the stuff that was purchased the previous day (laughs) so there was essentially like nothing that showed up there was only like four items we were like oh okay no one was shopping this week huh i guess that's concerning (laughs) but i didn't realize it was actually until after we recorded the show that it was actually only from that one day and (laughs) we were too tired to go back and correct it at that time so now we're doing double duty this week so i can't remember exactly what we talked about when we didn't but Maybe that boar site was on there, but if not, thank you for buying the boar site, whoever did that. Now, this, we have, uh, it looks like a vaping setup, but it's very complicated. It's got all these devices. They're all screwing into each other. It's got packages. It's got coils. It's got, like, I don't know. I don't even know what you do with these things. It looks like a sex toy. And it's called the Original Authentic Coil Master version four, six-in-one coil jig with authenticity scratch code <laughs> and Japanese organic cotton by InnoVapor. Perfect microcoils with 100% organic unbleached Japanese cotton. Well, first of all, I didn't know they grew cotton in Japan. I didn't know they grew much of anything in Japan because it's so small and like land is at a premium, right? Oh, yeah, but I mean, they, they, they have fully. Okay. Well, but do they, grow, that, do they grow cotton in Japan? I didn't, oh, yeah. That doesn't yeah, yeah. sound That's right. Their little, their little ear okay. duffers. Or, what do I or, know? You know, that those are cotton. <laughs> All right. I'm wrong. What yeah. did, I'm sorry I said that. That was probably a little bit racist, even. 
Um, anyway, it's a, it's a hundred percent organic, unbleached Japanese cotton. I'm still trying to figure out what you do with this thing. Uh, it looks like maybe this is a vaping device too. Well, thank you for getting the only thing I can figure. Yeah. Um, you can fill us in if you want to, and I hope I didn't offend anybody. Uh, we have the cotton bacon version 2.0, five bags. Now. My computer's choking, but this is in the electrical wire department. User-friendly resealable travel package, four-inch heavy body, easy-to-use bacon strip. Dual fiber for optimal wicking and heat resistance. So this looks like, I don't know, something you wire your house with? I have no idea. I'm totally lost. No more break-ins, 100% tasteless wick. Oh, is that a vape accessory too? Yeah, I don't think that's... God, I am so behind the times on this shit. Yeah, Uh, yeah, anyway. Cotton bacon, coil masters, vapes. I I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's a whole new world. Somebody got a standard uh, 60-watt transformer. Maybe that goes with it too? Yeah, probably same thing. (laughs) Why would you need a transformer? 24-gauge AWD stainless steel resistance wire. What the oh. fuck are they doing? Oh, are they building somebody's... a vape or building a bomb? Uh, that's what I was just <laughs> <laughs> Then they got another thing of resistance wire. I... I, I've had a loss for words. Skylink. Oh, here we go. Skylink wireless long range household alert and alarm home security protection oh, garage maybe... door sensor okay. accessory. Maybe so maybe they're doing a custom a... thing with their like a security system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That must be it. Yeah. Boy. Well, see, this is what happens when you leave us to speculate. We just come up with the craziest, wildest things. We're like, oh, they're vaping, and it's also a bomb. <laughs> no, actually, they're just rewiring their garage. Yeah. <laughs> Woods, 5,000 million six indoor 24-hour mechanical outlet timer. So this is just one of those timers that maybe they're beefing up their home security because, you know, having a light on a timer, it looks yep. like someone's home, you know, two of those. I actually have a couple of these, too, um, so... Not only will you not know when I'm home or not, but I also get to uh, turn on my use it to turn on my plant light every morning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, in New Hampshire, growing plants in the winter, it's like you know they don't get much sunlight indoors, so yep. got to supplement with some lights. So anyway, nothing nefarious. You know, it's just like Christmas cactuses and stuff like that. No jazz cabbage, in case you're wondering. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. That was kind of anticlimactic, but wow, the cheese, the Mrs. and Mrs. gift card, everything down to the bore site, down to the bacon for electrical wires, whatever the <laughs> fuck that is. It was all an amazing run, you know, and you can contribute to our after show by going to uh, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And also in the meantime, if you want to just go to our website, sexandsciencehour.com, you can listen to all our old shows. All right, we're done for tonight. We'll see you next time. This has been Sex and Science Hour. Woo! Rock on! <laughs> <laughs>